James chapter number one. Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter number one. I think this is probably about the what the fourth, fourth or fifth message out of James chapter number one. Andrew had a couple, two or three, and uh, we was in James last week. We're going to be in James. We're going we're going to finish it up this week, and uh, and we'll start in verse number eighteen. Verse number eighteen. Going to learn something very important that that maybe eye-opening to a lot of people, that you don't get credit for just hearing it. Say amen. amen. Uh, there are a lot of people that come in and they come and sit in church and they think they're getting something, uh, whether it's like just, I, I don't know, that is sticking to them or, or whatever, just by hearing it. They get up, they hear it, they say, I'm blessed by it, and they never change, and they're never different, and it, 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 it just works that, listen, it can't be that way. Uh, say this with me, it'll work, it'll work. everybody now real loud, it'll work, it'll work. if you work it. The word will work if you work it. And that is the emphasis, that is the emphasis that James is trying to help us with in these last few verses of James chapter number one. So with that being said, let's jump right in here. James one in verse 18. If you found your spot, everybody, if you found your spot, say amen. Amen. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. If you got saved, you got saved by hearing the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You were born again. Your faith came because you heard God's word and then you believed it. You received it. Amen. Amen. He begot us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Slow to say it with me, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. When's the last time you said that to somebody? <laughs> superfluity of naughtiness. Oh, King James, amen. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. But be ye doers of the word and not... Don't be hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, talking about a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man, did y'all catch that? This man, not the one that heard it only, but the one that went and did what he heard, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, in his doing of what he heard. Does that make sense? If any man among you seem to be religious, and there's a lot of people we're around that seems to be religious, but he bridleth not his tongue. Uh Uh-oh. He goes to church, wears a suit, gives an offering, says amen, raises his hand, but he'll never keep his mouth shut. If he can't tame his tongue, he deceiveth his own heart, This man's religion is what? Vain. Vain. Worthless. That's what that word means. Worthless. Pure religion. Real religion. Show enough religion. And undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. You have been so good to us. Lord, we are so grateful. Lord, there's a big crowd here tonight, and I'm so grateful for that. I thank you for their their commitment. I thank you for their faithfulness, Lord, and I pray they won't leave disappointed. I pray that you'll give them what they came for, meet their needs. I pray that you'll take your word and dissect our hearts, dig deep, and show us where we need to apply attention 
And God will be careful to give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. Ain't a person in here deserves any of it. And Lord, we're not even, we're not even going to try to claim any of it. We're all beggars who have found bread and telling other beggars where they can find it too. And God, I praise you and I thank you. And Lord, I pray, help us tonight. I pray that we can leave here more excited than we've ever been, more challenged than we've ever been, even more convicted than we've ever been. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we ask you, Lord, I pray that you don't let me say nothing I'm not supposed to, and don't let me forget anything I need to. And God, we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. The word will work if you work it. God has given us something to bless us. He has given us his word uh, to change us, to bless us, to build us. It is not to be a decoration on the shelf. It's not to be a dust collector. It's not to be, and, and, and here's this, I'm going to say this and you're going to laugh a little bit. It's not someone's magic charm. Oh, preacher, I, I just put my Bible under my pillow so I don't have bad dreams at night. I don't think you understand. Listen, this is, this is, this is ink and paper. This is ink and paper. The power is not in the ink and the power is not in the leather cover. The power is not in the paper. The power is in the truth that it holds. Ye shall know the truth and it's the truth that shall make you free. Amen. Everybody understand that? Amen. Now, here, here's, here's what, at the top of your notes, I, I put in Isaiah 55, 8. Jesus says, the Lord, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. How long was you saved before you figured that out? You thinking God's going to go this way and he goes this way. You think God will move in a certain way and he doesn't. And, 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 and sometimes that's frustrating. Can I have a witness right there? Sometimes he don't answer prayers like we ask it because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But every time when it's all said and done, we have to sit back and say, he is right again. He is right again. Look what it says. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Watch this now. Just like that rain, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Watch now. Here's a, here's a key. And it shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. Preacher, what are you saying? This book has been sent to you. And it has been sent to you for a purpose. It has a job to do. And by the way, it will do the job. It'll work if you work it. Now, he, why, why would God tell you this? Why would God tell you, you need to understand something. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your ways. Matter of fact, he said, my ways are so much better than your ways and my thoughts so much higher than your thoughts. Why would he tell us that? Because there's going to be times, ladies and gentlemen, look at me now. There's going to be times that you're going to read this and you're going to disagree. There's going to be times you're going to look into this and it's going to be contrary to what you think. Or watch this. Here's big. Or how you feel. And God's trying to warn you. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your human emotions. Don't trust what you understand. That's why I said in Proverbs chapter number three. And I'll get to the outline. If we don't finish, we don't finish. We just do what we can. Amen. Andrew can finish next week. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Because there's going to be some things. I'm telling you, you're going to read some things in here that don't make sense to you. 
And there's going to be some things in here that's going to be contrary to your lifestyle, be contrary to your actions, to be contrary to your thought process or how you feel. And we've got to adjust. See, here's the key. We have to adjust how we feel to what he says. Amen. But that's not what's happening in the world today. We're living in a world that wants to live a certain way and they want to adjust theology to their ideology. Well, I feel like this is okay. I feel like this lifestyle is, is okay. I feel like, I, I just believe God. Hey, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter what you believe. What matters is what God says. You know, it said, it said this. I, I seen a sign that said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Not really. God said it. That settles it. Now you need to believe it. That's the way that should go. Right? And so as we're reading through this, he is, he is instructing us. And when, when he says be swift to hear, keeping, the, keeping the, the, the text, when he says be swift to hear, he's talking about the word. When he's saying don't be swift to get angry, guess what? He's talking about the word. Isn't it amazing that he knew at that time that there's going to be times we're going to read something we don't like. Then he's going to tell us we need to either stop or we need to start or we need to act right. Listen, I don't always like forgiving people to hurt me. Y'all with me? I don't always like turning the other cheek. I don't always like blessing my enemy. I don't always like praying for those who have despitefully used me. Now am I getting somewhere? Don't get angry at the word. Don't get angry at the word. It'll work. Here's what it says. The word, we read it to be wise. We read it to be wise. We believe it to be saved. Watch this now. Read number three with me. We. Say everybody say it. We. We practice it to be holy. Philippians chapter number two, verse 15. It says that ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Has there ever been a time that we've been more crooked or perverse in our nation? Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth. What are we holding forth? That I may rejoice in that day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now let me give you some encouragement. The darker it gets, the brighter you are. I don't like none of it. I don't like anything that's going on in the world today. I don't like anything. All of the, I ain't even going to mention, I don't even like it coming out of my mouth. I don't like any of it. But I know this, the darker it gets out there, the brighter that we are. Even a dim light is bright in a dark room. So don't be discouraged. Let your light shine. Don't whine about the darkness. Just keep shining. Keep shining. Amen. Amen. Let's look at number one. First of all, first of all, he says in verse number 21, it says in in verse number 21, wherefore let let lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the, what's that word? Engrafted. That word means implanted. So first of all, I want you to write this down. We have the planted word or the word planted. We need to plant the word in our heart. James calls God's word the engrafted word or it means the implanted word. He's kind of borrowing from the Lord's parable of the sower in Matthew chapter number 13. Everybody knows that the sower went out to sow, right? He compares God's word to seed and the human heart to soil. In his parable, Jesus describes a fruitful heart, which received the word, allowed it to take root and produced a harvest of fruit. You see, the final test of salvation is fruit. It's not your profession. It's the fruit that comes from your life. This means a changed life. Christian character and conduct and ministry to others in the glory of God. But now watch, this is important. The word of God cannot work in our lives unless we receive it in the right way. 
Jesus not only said, take heed what you hear, Mark 4, 24, but he said, take heed how you hear. Say that with me. Take heed how you hear. We see that is in Luke 8, 18, Luke 8, 18. I've got a lot more notes on my paper than you do. And, and, and if I'd have gave you all my notes, you'd have had two pages and, and, and you ain't getting two pages. Uh, that's a lot of paper. Say amen. So if you want to write those two, those two text verses down, uh, Mark four twenty four, he said, take, take heed what you hear. Uh, Luke eight eighteen, take heed how you hear. You mean when there's a certain way to hear the word? Yep. 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 Too many people are in the tragic condition in which hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. That's Matthew 13, 13. In other words, they hear and they keep hearing and they hear it again and they still don't get it. They come to church and it goes in one ear and out the other. That's not the way we do. That's not the way we do. That will never help us or minister to us. They attend Bible classes, church services, but never seem to grow. If the seed of the word is to be planted in our hearts, then we must obey the instructions James gives us here. And he shows us clearly, verse 18 through verse 20, specifically verse 19. He said, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Write that down. A, we need to be swift to hear. Now, the word swift means prompt. It means ready. It doesn't mean listen fast. I tell you guys that all the time, listen faster, you know. But it doesn't mean swift. When we think the word swift, we we think fast. He's, He's speedy. But that's not what the word swift here means. It means ready. It means prompt. When you get here, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear what God has to say to me. I'm ready to hear what the Lord wants to instruct today. And we need to be like those in the New Testament. They were listening to the word as if it was God speaking directly to them and not men. Amen. So we need to be swift ears. uh, In Matthew 13, 9, Jesus said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just as the servant is quick to hear his master's voice and the mother to hear her baby's smallest cry. So the believer should be quick to hear. What God has to say. B. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. That's 19B. We have two ears and one mouth. Which ought to remind us that we need to listen twice as much as we speak. Too many times. Too many times we argue with God's word. Hello. We argue with God's word. Maybe not audibly. We don't say it out loud because other people hear us. But in our heart, we're like, hmm. Come on. Man, y'all acting all super spiritual. I know who I'm preaching to. Slow to speak. He that refraineth, Proverbs 10, 19. He that refraineth his lips is wise. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. If you see somebody running their mouth all the time, they don't know nothing. They don't know a thing. And said, I, I was, I was dating, I was dating this, this young lady in, in college. And, uh, I was sitting at their dinner table and I'm, I'm, you know, that nervous energy going on. I'm trying to be funny, you know, and, and kind of, loosen the tension in the room and, and, uh, and the father sitting over there, not saying a word. I mean, just got that stern look on. And I, and when I had girls, I understood I got my face too, you know? Uh, I mean, he was doing everything but cleaning his gun at the kitchen table. Amen. And he was sitting there and I'm just, I'm just trying to be funny, break the ice. And I said something, I, I said, I said, boy, you sure are quiet over there. Why'd I say that? He said, it's better to keep your mouth shut and let them think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Can you pack, pass the taters, please? Can I? You see somebody quiet, they're the ones that usually have something to say. 
He that refraineth his lips is wise. Instead of being slow to speak, the lawyer in Luke 10, 29 argued with Jesus. We are to be swift to hear. And keep in mind, keep in mind, we can apply this. We can apply this to any, anything. Our life in general. Man, we need to listen more when we talk, okay? We don't need to get quick to be angry. But in the text, he's talking about the word. Because there's so many times, there's so many times that we don't slow down. We don't slow down long enough to listen to the word and let it do the work it needs to do. And we'll read something and God will say, you need to get this out of your life or you need to put this in your life. And we'll argue with him. We'll argue with the word. Okay. So keep in mind, it's, it's about the word. C, slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Do not get angry at God or his word. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. That's Proverbs 14, 29. When the prophet Nathan told King David the story about the stolen lamb, the king became angry, but at the wrong person. Nathan, the prophet, pointed his finger in David's face and said, you're the man. You're the one that did it. David then confessed and said, I've sinned. Now, see, Peter in the garden, how many of y'all remember when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane? Y'all remember that? Now, here's, here's Peter. What did he say? Be, be, let's go back to the verse. Let's go back to the verse. Uh, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. But Peter was slow to hear, swift to speak, and swift to anger, and he almost killed Malchus, the servant of the high priest. Are y'all with me? Many church fights are the result of short tempers and hasty words. There is a godly anger that's against sin, and we should have that, a righteous indignation, right? We should be angry with sin and injustice. If we love the Lord, we must hate sin. But man's anger does not produce God's righteousness, he said in verse 20. In fact, anger is just the opposite of the patience God wants to produce in our lives as we mature in Christ. Have y'all ever seen that? Have y'all ever seen that little Sunday school, uh, what, what, what craft, the little Sunday school lesson, uh, object lesson where the teacher gives everybody a little plastic plate and then gives everybody a little tube of toothpaste and then says, squeeze all that toothpaste out on that plate. And then, then it's your job to get it all back in there. Now, keep in mind, you got little five and six-year-olds. You better have a fire hose ready. And the lesson that is taught and the lesson that is learned is once you say it, you can say you're sorry all you want to say it. But boy, you, you can't put it back. And even if you could, it's going to taste real bad. And all God's people say it. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Slow to speak, swift to hear, slow to wrath. Verse 21. Wherefore, this is the most important part. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. So receive with meekness is the implanting of the word in our heart. But the first part of verse number 20 is saying that we have to have a ready heart. Now, superfluity means a bunch of it. It means abundance. Naughtiness, we don't have to, everybody knows what naughtiness is. It's bad, being bad, sin, evil, wickedness, iniquity, right? What is he saying? James saw the human heart as a garden. It left itself, if it's left to itself, the soul will produce only what? Weeds. He urges us to pull out the weeds. That's what he's saying in verse number 21. Lay apart all. That means take it out. Remove it. Get out of your life. Get out of your heart. All those weeds. Prepare the soil for the implanted word of God. The phrase superfluity of naughtiness gives the picture of a garden that's overgrown with weeds that cannot be controlled. It is foolish to try to receive God's word in an unprepared heart. Let me, let me give you another illustration. Let me give you another illustration. My grandmother, my grandmother on my, on my dad's side, my mom's, my, my dad's mom, 
uh, she was she was the old old type that 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 she got up early, cooked breakfast. Everybody come and eat breakfast, and she starts cleaning up for breakfast and starts getting ready for dinner. And then when she's through with dinners, then she starts getting ready for supper, right? And 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 as a grandchild, when you come in, uh, uh, Grandma, can I have a Twinkie? No, we can't. That's right, Miss Diane. You said it correct. Because why? It'll ruin your appetite. Now, how many times have we ruined our appetite with the things of this world and come in here to sit down and we have no appetite for the word? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, get them weeds out. Weeds takes up nutrients. Weeds takes up all the things that's necessary for the fruit to come to fruition. And when we come to the word of God, when we come to the house of God, we need to come with a clear heart and a ready heart. Be swift to hear. Be ready. Don't have our minds so cluttered with things of this world, cluttered with the, 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 the problems and the, the sins. and the Man, let's get, before we ever get out our car, let's lay aside every sin and the, the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Let's get right in our car, confess in our car and say, God, get me ready for what I'm about to hear in Jesus' name and then bring yourself in that door. And I'm telling you, it'll drastically change what you get and how you get it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So getting the word, it's not just coming on in here in any old way you want to. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Three things. I think you do have these notes. How do we prepare our heart? Do y'all have that by confessing? Do y'all not have that? Okay, well then write this down. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. How can I have a ready heart? Number one, by confessing our sin and asking the Father to forgive us. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number two, number two, by meditating on God's word and his grace. Jeremiah 4, 3. It says, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Ask God to plow up the hardness of our heart. So number one, by confessing our sin. That's 1 John 1, 9. Number two, by meditating on God's love, his word. That's that plowing process, Jeremiah 4, 3. And then number three, here's, here's very important. Have an attitude of meekness. That's James 1, 21. Watch what it says. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That's that cleansing. That's that getting right. That's that confessing our sin. All right. Receive with, what's that word? 21, verse 21. Receive with meekness. Meekness. You'll never receive anything from the word if you're arrogant. Have you ever noticed you can't teach anybody that knows everything? Don't you love when you try to share something with somebody and they get, this is the response. I know, I know, I know. That just used to irritate the fire out of me and my youngest. I see him doing something wrong and I try to help him. I say, Here, here's how you're supposed to do it. I know, I know. I, then why didn't you do it? You was doing it wrong. If you knew, you wouldn't be doing it. Are y'all with me? Hey, church members too. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, sure you know. Meekness, meekness is the opposite of wrath that we see in James 19 and 20. When you receive the word with meekness, you accept it. You do not argue with it. You honor it as the word of God. You do not try to twist it to conform it to your thinking. Here, here, here's what a lot of us do. I, 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 know, that's the, I know that's what God said, but. But I think, but I, I feel, but it's easier if no buts. He said it, it is what it is. We receive it. 
Even if we don't like it, we receive it. Even if it's not comfortable, we receive it. And we trust in the Lord with all our heart. Amen. Amen. Now, now, that is the, the word planted. That is the word planted. Now, now what happened, and before I go into the next point, <clears throat> what happened to the seed? What happened to the seed that fell on stony ground? Did it bring forth fruit? No. It couldn't. The root system couldn't go down. Now, you see, that's the same principle. If we come in here, if we come in here, I don't care how faithful you are to come in here on Wednesday, if you're not prepared to receive it, if your mind is cluttered with 50 other things and you're just here in every other, are y'all with me? And, and so let's be ready. Let's be prepared. Let's say, okay, for the next hour, God, it belongs to you. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get distracted by thinking about this. I'm not going to get distracted by thinking about that. I want the seed to get down into good soil. Amen. Amen. Now watch this. Number one, tell me number one, number one, the, say it again, the, now watch this, this is where rubber meets the road right here. The word practice, the word practice. It is not enough to hear the word. We must do it. Many people have the mistaken idea that hearing a good sermon or Bible study is what makes them grow or get God's blessing. It is not the hearing, but the doing that brings the blessing. Too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. In other words, they're never different. They're never changed. You can open their Bible and they got highlighted everywhere because it sounded cool and it looked cool, but they never let it change who they were. They marked their Bibles, but their Bibles never marked them. If you think you're spiritual because you hear the word, you're only kidding yourself. In the previous paragraph, James compared the word to seed, but now he's comparing it to a mirror. All right, we're going to look at it as, a, as compared to a mirror. All right. Now, there are two references in the Bible to God's word as a mirror. And when you put, or excuse me, three, three, two others with this one right here. And when you put them all together, you discover the ministry, three ministries of the word of God as a mirror. Three ministries of the word of God as a mirror. First of all, write this down, verse 23 through 25. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and he goeth his way, and straightway, uh, uh, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now let me explain that. Let me explain that. The word is for examination. It's for examination, right? Uh, <laughs> one morning I woke up late. So I'm in a hurry. All right. I don't know about you guys, but when I get out of bed, I have bedhead. Does anybody know what bedhead is? It's like a cross between Phyllis Diller and Don King. I mean, I got, I got hair everywhere. Everywhere. And so I got to get me a little help. Amen. A little gel, a little mousse, get me something. I got to get some, some grease it down. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I'll get that gel and I'll put it in there. Get it everywhere. Get it everywhere. And now it's really bad. Well, this particular morning... That's as far as I got in the process. Tammy called me or something. I don't remember what it was. But I just walked away and here we go. And I forgot. I forgot. Now, now the hairstyles they have today, I'd fit right in. But I, I had hair sticking everywhere. And... At that time, at that time, I was going to Jack's all the time for breakfast. I'd, I'd swing in there and get me a biscuit, 
and go on to church. Yeah, y'all can figure out what happened. And all of them knew me because I was there every morning in the drive-thru. Well, this particular morning, I have no idea. I think everything's normal like, like it's always been. And I pull into the, I pull into the driveway. And that window flies open. That lady. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that episode of Seinfeld when he saw that ugly baby, but that's what happened in that window. <laughs> and I thought, well, dear Lord, what's her problem? <laughs> I had no idea. They didn't say a word. I get to the office and I go into my bathroom and I look up and there I was. That's what that verse said. I walked away and forgot what manner of man I was. Now watch this. This is so simple. This is so simple. Your Bible is a mirror. Now there's something. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. We're all beautiful. All right? We're all beautiful in God's eyes. All right? But the mirror is brutally honest. How many of y'all figured that out? The mirror, the mirror has no mercy. What you see is what you get. Amen? I mean, it's like, the, it's like the old phrase. Your beauty is skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. When beauty fades away, ugly hangs on. Amen. And when you get in front of that mirror, y'all get, y'all, straighten up, y'all. Straighten up. We're in church. When you get in front of that mirror, it shows you exactly where you got problems. I stood in front of that mirror. It told me, comb your hair. But I got distracted. Watch this now. That mirror is for us to examine ourselves before we go out in public so we'll be presentable. It'll tell us what needs adjusting. It'll tell us where, where the comb needs to get to. Are y'all with me? It'll tell you if you got grease on your shirt. It, it, it'll tell you, it, you know, hello. Y'all with me? Well, that's what your Bible is. Your Bible will examine you. Your Bible will show you exactly who you are. And I'm afraid sometimes that we think we've gotten to a certain part or a certain uh, uh, maturity in our Christian walk. And then, man, we open that Bible and we'll find out we ain't far as long as we thought we were. That's what it's for. Because, see, that Bible will show you when you still got bitterness somewhere. That Bible will show you if you, you still have struggles in certain areas of your life. That Bible will show you where you truly are, where you truly stand in your walk with Christ. And that's why God wants you to get in that Bible every day, examine yourself, see where you need some attention. Now watch this. Watch this. If you don't apply attention right away, you're going to end up at Jack's scaring folks. Come on, let's admit it, y'all. Let's admit it. How many times has God revealed something to you in a church service and you should have done something right then? You should have went to that altar, that right. You shouldn't even waited for the invitation song. Then we put it off. And whatever that issue was that God revealed to us sometimes just gets worse. Yes. Y'all with me? Yeah. Hey, the best thing you can do if God reveals something to you, deal with it immediately. Because you'll forget. Yeah. You'll forget. Amen? Amen? Look here. Secondly, this is the first time we see the word of God as a mirror. Then the second time. And, and, and look here, let, let, me, let, me, let me give you this too. Let me give you this under, under examination. Under examination. We make mistakes. Sometimes we just glance at ourselves. You know, we, we just kind of like, how many of y'all ever just stood in front of the mirror for just a second, make sure it ain't too bad? And, okay. 
Sometimes that's what we do with the Bible. We'll just go through the word and speed read, not focus, not, not pay attention. We just glance at it. We don't carefully study for ourselves. Many sincere believers read a chapter of the Bible each day, but it's only a religious exercise and they fail to profit from it personally. Their conscience would bother them if they did not have their daily Bible reading, but when actually their conscience should bother them because they read the word carelessly. A cursory reading of the Bible will never reveal our deepest needs. It's the difference between a candid photo and an x-ray. Amen. And then, like I said a while ago, when we just barely glance at it, then we forget what we saw. We forget where we needed to apply attention. So we need to, we need to stay focused. We need to stay focused. The Bible is for examination. But then, listen, we forget what we saw. Then we fail to obey what the word tells us to do. We fail to obey what the word tells us to do. What does he say? He's a forgetful hearer. He walks away. He forgets what he heard. He said, but a, 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 a man who hears the word and does it. There's a big difference. Now watch this. Watch this. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Or don't be just, I, I'll kind of show you what I mean. I have run into people. I have run into pe- other church people like on Sundays. You know, and, and they'll be at, they'll be at Cracker Barrel or they'll be at wherever, you know, Buena Vista or, you know, place where we eat and you'll run it. Man, how'd you, how'd you, y'all have a good service today? Oh, my soul. I'm telling you what our preacher, he shut the corn right down to the cob. I'm telling you what he was preaching today. Well, when you get a response like that, I need to know what he preached on. I said, man, that's great. Y'all had a good one, huh? Yeah, buddy. I said, what'd he preach on? Uh, uh, I don't know, but it was good. Now, now wait a minute. How are you going to be a doer of the word and not a, how are you going to do it if you don't remember what it, what it was there to do? Let me translate that. They got real excited and entertained by the way he delivered his sermon. He was excited. He spit to the third row and he was very dramatic. So it entertained you for a matter of 25 minutes. But the content didn't soak in. And you can't go do it because you don't even remember what he said. You just liked the way he said it. I'm... (laughs) Uh, Brother Travis, have we had some spectacular moments in the nursing homes when we was in Bible college? I'm telling you, this, this some of the greatest places to preach is in the nursing homes. I'm telling you, it, I, I can tell you some experiences, but I'm not. But one particular one was so great. It was so great. I was preaching, and 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 it, it, I mean, this this lady was in the back, and I mean, she was just so emotional, and, and I'm like, son, I'm getting through to this woman. I'm telling you, I'm blessing her today. And all of a sudden she said, I don't know what he's saying, but he's sure saying it good. <laughs> you with me? And, and listen, don't get me wrong. I grew, up, I grew up in church when, man, if he wasn't sweating during the introduction and half dressed by the time he was through preaching, I didn't think he was preaching. But the problem with that is, is we get so addicted to a style and it, watch this now. And I don't mean this bad because this is my heritage and I'm not, I, I, I trust me. I would rather somebody look like they're excited about what they're saying than somebody looks will bore me to tears. But what happens is, is we get entertained and not edified. So we got to be really careful. That when we get excited about preaching, it's not necessarily on the delivery, although I like a good delivery, but he better be delivering something. Are y'all with me? Because the Bible is for our examination. So we can look in it and the Bible say, man, you need some attention in this area. And then give the attention that's necessary. Church, say amen. Amen. 
See here, let me, let me, let me just say this while we're here. This is why DMD works so well. And this is why so many people have a hard time staying in DMD. DMD, Disciples Making Disciples. Y'all know our, our program, our discipleship program. Souped up. I'm, I'm not going to lie. But in that program, in that program, this is what sets it apart from every other discipleship program I've ever been involved in. And I tell pastors all over this nation this. You have a method that it's called obedience-based discipleship. Say that with me. Not knowledge-based. What's the difference between knowledge-based and obedience-based? Knowledge-based is here's what you're supposed to do. And we leave it to you to do it. Okay? That's what happens all over America today. But obedience-based is we have accountability. We have something called look back. Y'all DMD people help me. We got Okay, in, in, I'll get to the look back in just a second. But in the look up is when we're taking and, and we're learning. We're taking our training book, we're taking the Bible, and we're learning. We're learning what we're supposed to be. We're learning what we're supposed to do. We're learning how we're supposed to act. We're learning about prayer and being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're learning about sharing our story, sharing God's story. We're learning about our identity in Christ. We're learning about God. We're learning about the Holy Spirit. We're learning about the Son of God, Jesus. Are y'all with me? That's when we're looking up. We're looking up to God to teach us. And at the end of the training, at the end of the training, we'll say, okay, we're going to look ahead now this week. Because of what I learned, what I learned in the look up, this week I will, and then you fill in the blank. Does that make sense? And then next week, when we come together, the very first thing we do is the, the look back. We will look at everybody and say, okay, okay, Miss Diane. Now, last week, you said you was going to call your Aunt Bertha and get things straight with her. You ain't talked to her in two years. You had a grudge. She killed your plants. Did, did you make that right with her this week? Uh-huh. That's called accountability. What are we doing? We're holding each other accountable to do. Watch this. To do what we have heard. And I'm telling you, accountability is so important. I remember the very first training. The very first training. The very first training center we started. In the very beginning of all this. We were in chapter number, we were in chapter number two. Telling your story. And we got through with the training. We got through with the teaching about telling your story. How to tell your story. And we were doing our I wills. We pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead. What are we supposed to do with this? Well, how do we practice? And by the way, if you're in your life groups, you're noticing some of these questions in your life group question. Okay, because of what you learned this week in the message, what does God want you to do this week? Have y'all noticed that in, in life groups? And I remember, I remember that there was a certain individual that the Holy Spirit put on my heart that I'm supposed to share my story with. And so at, at, that, at the look, look forward, I said, okay, this week, because of what we learned this week, I will share my story with, and, and I gave the person's name. And I had done heard that the person was kind of hard to, to deal with and hard, hard to witness to and all that, but that's who the Holy Spirit put on my heart. Now, that Monday, I'm going to see that person. And I'm scared to death. Now, I've been in church all my life. I don't know nothing but church. I have shared my faith with I don't know how many thousands of people and one I don't know how many people to Christ. I mean, this is not my first rodeo. I've done this before. But for some reason, fear has struck my heart. And I'm headed to this person's and, and, and I'm, I'm telling y'all, I'm quoting every verse that I can remember. Lord, you said be, you'd be with me always, even to the end of the earth. I shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon me. Oh, be a friend that's sticking closer than a brother today. Because I'm, for some reason, I'm so nervous. And I get there and I said, man, have I ever told you my story? He said, well, if you haven't, don't remember. Go ahead and tell me. And I shared my story and come to find out him and his wife had been watching our services for about six months. And I didn't even know it. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you something. 
I hate to admit this. Can y'all keep a secret? Yeah. I'm the preacher and everything. I'm ashamed to say this. But if I didn't know that them people in that room was going to ask me when I got back that next Sunday, preacher, <laughs> did you share your story with? I'd have chickened out. I'm telling you, I would have chickened out. But I knew they's going to hold me accountable. Bless God, I'm going to get it done. And sometimes we need to make sure we have accountability. Because it's not enough to hear it. You're not blessed because you heard it. It doesn't change your life because you heard it. It doesn't fix your issues because you heard it. It's because you applied it to your life. And all God's people say it. Listen, examination. Then restoration. Restoration. In Exodus chapter 38, Moses took the looking glasses, the metal looking glasses of the women and made the laver. The laver was that big bowl in between the the altar and the, the, the holy place, right? And the tabernacle. And and as the as the uh, uh, the priests would do their ministry as they would do their ministry. Their, their hands would get dirty because of the blood on the sacrifices. Their feet would get dirty with the, with just the sand and the dirt. And so before they went into the temple and, and, and the tabernacle there to do their service, they would go to the laver and get all clean and see God is comparing the word to your ability to be cleansed. The blood cleanses you from the guilt of sin. The word cleanses you from the defilement of sin. What do you mean, preacher? Every time you come in here, every time you come in here and you're hearing the word and it's washing over you, you're taking a spiritual bath. Have y'all ever noticed that you feel a little better when you leave? It almost feels like you took a shower when you come in here. Because the word is washing you. It's washing you. Look. Water for washing is a picture of the word of God and its cleansing power. What is John 15, 3? Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you my opinion. Watch what John 15, 3 says. Now, ye are clean. Say that with me. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The church is sanctified and cleansed with the washing of water by the word. That's Ephesians 5, 26. Ephesians 5, 26. When the sinner trusts Christ, when the sinners trust Christ, he is once and for all washed clean, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. But as the believer walks in this world, his hands and feet are defiled and he needs cleansing. John 13, 1 through 11. Now this will help you. This will help you understand. Uh, this will help you understand what happened with Peter and Christ in the upper room. Y'all, y'all remember what did Jesus do in the upper room? Say it again. He washed their feet. Now watch when he gets to Peter. When he gets to Peter, Peter's uh uh-uh. uh. He's trying to be all super spiritual, you know, all humble and everything. He's swift as running them jaws. And he said, nope, you ain't washing my feet. He said, well, you have no part with me. Now watch how Peter gets ignorant right here. Watch what he says. Well, just wash everything then. I mean, he just. There again is when you see Jesus go. And he, he explained something to him. He's saying, you're clean. You're clean. But your feet need some cleansing. The principle is this. Is that you don't have to get saved again. Once you're saved, you're saved. But sometimes we get stupid out in this world. And our hands and feet get defiled. And that's when we come to God and practice 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to... And to cleanse. cleanse, say that with me, and to cleanse, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Your, your word. Listen, if you're, feeling, if you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling dirty, just spend some time in the word. It'll cleanse you. It'll wash you. 
Amen? Let's hurry. Let's hurry. I'm about done. C. What do we say? It's for examination. It's for restoration. But it's also for transformation. Transformation. That's in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Matter of fact, let's turn there real quick. I've got just a couple minutes. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now it says in verse 18, but we all, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass, talking about a mirror, as in a glass, the what? Everybody say it. We behold the and are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Even by the spirit of the Lord. Now watch this now. This is the illustration he's given. That when we hold up that Bible. We hold up that Bible. There's an image. That's in that Bible. There's an image that's in that Bible. There's a picture. There's somebody we see in that. In that looking glass. Who is that image? Jesus. Now watch this. And the more we gaze, the more we look, meaning the more we read and the more we study and the more we apply that we go from glory to glory. We become more and more and more like the one that we see in the glass. Say amen. That's why you can't neglect your word. What is it? His will? Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. And how can you be conformed to an image that you're not familiar with? The only way to be conformed to his image is you got to know it. You got to gaze into it. You got to study it. You got to read it. You got to look at it. You got to meditate on it. What did he do? What did he say? How did he think? What did he believe? Where did he go? How did he love? Are are y'all with me? And the Bible says the more we look in it, the more we meditate on it, the more we study it, the more we see it, the more we become like the image that we're studying. Church, say amen. Man, that's good. That's good. Look here. Number, number, number three. Hurry, hurry, hurry. One minute and 38 seconds. What was number one? We see the word planted. Number two, the word practiced. Number three, the word promoted. The word promoted. Now we're getting into real religion. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man religion is vain, pure religion and undefiled before God and the fathers to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The word translated religion, the word translated religion means the outward practice, the outward, say that with me, the The outward practice, the service to God. It is only used five times, y'all. That word religion, only used five times in the entire New Testament. James 1, 26 and 27, Acts 26, verse 5, Colossians 2, 18. And there it's translated worshiping. But then we, listen, we see this word is not about ceremonies. It's not about temples. It's not about special days. When we talk about religion, a lot of people think, a lot of people think ceremony. A lot of people think formalism. A lot of people think certain days and meetings and all of this kind of stuff. But that's not what God's talking about. Pure religion means practicing God's word and sharing it with others. Sharing it with others. How do we do that? Verse 26. Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his... How do we promote the word? With our tongue. With our tongue. There are many references to speech in this letter. Giving the impression that the tongue was a serious problem in the assembly. And if you read the the whole letter of James, you'll, you'll find out 
He is, he is scorching them about the way they are using their tongue. It is the tongue that reveals the heart. It is the tongue that reveals the heart. If the heart is right, the speech will be right. A controlled tongue means a controlled body. Out of the abundance of the heart, the the mouth speaking. Amen. You say, what's in his heart? Just listen to what he says and he'll reveal it. The word is promoted through our speech. B, the word is promoted through our service. We serve people. We serve people who are unfortunate. We serve people who are broken. We serve people who are down and out. We serve people who can't help themselves. After we've seen ourselves in Christ in the mirror of his word, we must see others in their needs. And boy, I wish I had time to go to Isaiah chapter 6 because this is so, you see this so much. How many of y'all remember when it says in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train filled the temple. Y'all remember that? That verse, he saw God and then he said, woe is me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm such a sinner. God touches him. And then, and then he said, who will I send? He said, here am I. Send me. So what did he do? He saw God. He saw himself for what he really was. And then he saw the needs of others. Are y'all with me? When you see yourself like God sees you, you'll quit being so arrogant and you'll humble yourself and you'll start helping other people. Amen. And then just write this down. We're done. I don't have more time. The words promoted through our speech, through our service, and through our separation from the world. Keep himself unspotted from the world. And by the way, guys, this don't mean, this don't mean keep yourself isolated from the world. It says unspotted. There's a difference. I believe in separation. I do. But I don't believe in isolation. One of, the, one of the worst problems, one of the worst problems we have, I was preaching this week on this. Listen, is when you're saved for an extended period of time, we, we, we get isolated and usually the only friends we have are saved people. It's who we go to church with, who we go to a life group with, it's who we hang out with. And so the, the longer we're saved, the more disconnected we get from the life we used to have. And there's a certain, you know, that's good. We, we, need to be, we need to be holy and righteous and pure. But we can't get disconnected from the, the world who desperately needs us. We need to be separated. God's asking for separation, not isolation. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We got to reach this world. We got to serve them. We got to let this word work in us. Go tell somebody. It, the easiest way to do this, guys, this will help you. Everybody stand so you know I'm serious. This will help you practice this. When you come in here and you learn something, find somebody to tell it to this week. Yeah. You know what that'll do? It'll make you listen. It'll make you listen. Now, let's be honest. How many of y'all can be honest for about 27 seconds? <laughs> 27? How about 20? Can y'all be honest 20 seconds? 20, I'll get, I'll how many times? How many times? And I've done this. I'm, I'm raising my hand. I've done this. And the preacher been preaching 10 minutes, and you was... And I don't mean sleeping. Your mind was on a problem you got to fix tomorrow. Or, man, I didn't eat breakfast. I sure hope Denny's ain't crowded. <laughs> Let's be honest. Come on, guys. I mean, you can be looking dead at the... Pre- I've done this with my wife. And she'll see it. She'll see that glaze over look. Are you listening? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm looking right. What did I say? <laughs> Hello? But if I know I'm going to go share what I learn, it's going to make me listen harder. It's going to make me, it's going to make me listen for something to share. One of the ways we use in our, in our, our micro churches out in the community is a, a, a method called DBS. 
Discovery Bible study. We'll read through the verses, whatever chapter we're studying. We'll read through them a couple times. And the first question we ask is, what stood out to you? What captured your attention? And so I'll always remind the people I'm studying with. Uh, now, listen, we're fixing to read these first 12 verses. Now, remember, look for something that stands out to you. Look for something that the Holy Spirit just captures your attention with. And you know what that'll do? It'll make them pay better attention to look for God to speak to them. Maybe you need to do that next week. Maybe you need to do it Sunday. I'll go ahead and tell you what I'm preaching on. God, don't change it. The ministry of pressure. Pressure. How many of y'all have ever been under great pressure? I want you to do this. Before you come in this room, this coming Sunday morning, I want you to say, God, speak to me. Give me something that I can give to somebody else. And I guarantee you, you'll get stuff you ain't never got before. Because God wants, to, God wants to run your cup over into the saucer. You can keep the cup, but give someone else what's in the saucer. Well, I feel like preaching another hour. Amen. Are y'all ready? Y'all ready? Let's pray.